What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. I know if you're looking at the timestamp on this, it's been way too long, but have no fear. I've got about 10 episodes in the bank right now, which is great because, as you know, uh, I'm a a father of a lovely 18-month-old baby, and she takes a lot of my time, which I like. Um, And unfortunately, the podcast has been put on the back burner because of that. But with the coronavirus closures across the country, uh, I found myself with a little bit of a surplus of time, and the podcast is super important to me, so I wanted to make sure that I was able to do the, the right thing as far as getting back into it and making sure I was actually able to do it. So, with the help of a bunch of friends, about a dozen friends to be exact, I've got a bunch of podcast episodes that I'm able to now roll out, edit, etc. And the first of that is with a coworker of mine. Her name is Nicole Adak. She's a mental skills coach uh, at the health club that I work at, but she's also employed at one of the local colleges here, St. Michael's College in Northern Vermont, um, and works with athletes and general population students as well. She's phenomenal. You'll hear in this conversation, she's incredibly passionate about the field of mental health. Um, she crushes these these three things, which are first appearance. And hopefully we'll have another one here at some point, but this is her first appearance on the three things podcast. She crushes it. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing her conversation without further ado. Here is Nicole Adak. Who, what, where, why. Um, so I'm Nicole, as you have said. Um, I'm a mental skills coach. And I guess like I'll start with kind of how I got here. And then I'll say where here is. So um, went to St. Michael's. Um, well, I'm from New York. Um, and I played basketball. Went to St. Michael's, played basketball there. Um, and I majored in psychology. And as I was kind of like, you know, just going through like the basic requirements of the psych degree, um, I took a sports psych class and I happened to take the sports psych class at the same time that I was a senior athlete in the second semester of my final season. So a lot of the class that I took with Dave Landers was very, um, very flexible. So I, so we got to pretty much study whatever subject matter we wanted to. And so I looked into like identity development. So I kind of applied the psychology to athletics and like, essentially I was like doing my own self therapy and figuring out what the heck, like, what am I going to do? next so I kind of really dove deep into what I can expect um, moving forward and so ultimately I was going to well the intention was to play basketball in Europe that was kind of like where my head was at so I never really thought that I was transitioning out of sport yet I thought that I was going to continue to play and lo and behold I did not play in Europe Um, I stayed at St. Mike's and got my master's degree in clinical psychology Um, and When I decided to do that, I thought that I was going to get into coaching, which lo and behold, I did not. So I um, ultimately was at St. Mike's, a place that I've always been an athlete at, not an athlete, studying clinical psychology to be a therapist. I found myself in this weird band. I started working at or interning at UVM's counseling center, and I enjoyed the work, but I also felt like something was missing. And anytime an athlete came in my office, I got like super pumped, excited. I was really into it. And then a normal, like no offense, like a Joe Schmo would come in and I'd be a little, I'd still be excited, but not as excited. So I I kind of caught on like, okay, there's something here. I really like working with athletes and their mental health. And as I've kind of developed 
in this profession. Um, I studied identity development and athletic identity specifically for my master's degree and my major paper I had to write. And I found that there's a major need for mental skills, um, and especially when it comes to athletes, but really for all people. Um, we're programmed in the athletic world and the culture to really work our bodies and get our bodies in tip-top shape and master our crafts, whatever the sport may be. And we don't really put enough emphasis, I, I noticed, on the mindset and how to actually train the mind. Um, so I just got really invested in that work and I found that athletes and people in general just really didn't know how, how to build confidence, how to build motivation, how to practice good self-talk. There was a lot of missing pieces to the puzzle. So that's kind of where I, where I started and I just started working with athletes and helping them kind of put their puzzles together. So now I work at the edge as a mental skills coach. I see individual clients and groups. And then I also work, um, I do a lot of work at St. Mike's. So I work with a lot of the teams and athletes and administration there. That's awesome. Um, that's a really good detailed background right there as to like what you do and, and whatnot and how you got into it. Um, yeah. I had no idea that you actually were going to play basketball in Europe. So now I'm kind of offended that I invited you to, uh, to the pickup league that I'm a part of because I, well, I'm not trying to get shown up. <laughs> well, let's be serious. I said I, I intended on, I didn't actually. So. If you're intending on playing basketball professionally in Europe, it probably means that you're playing with some skills um, as part of a, a men's league aficionado. You know, probably would destroy all of us. Uh, so now I guess the invite's still open. Invite's still open. Tuesday um, night, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> Tuesday, Thursday. Not for now, but sometime soon, right. hopefully. Um, Nicole, I want to get started. You and I have had a series of like very candid conversations at, at the gym. Um, and I'm going to hopefully try to rehatch most of those conversations. And I want to start with, mm -hmm. with just how you talked about like what you did your thesis on with athlete identity. Like, Give us a little background on that. What is an, like, give us an example of like an athlete who identifies with their sport, kind of the pros or the cons and kind of like where your approach is with that, especially as it pertains to, I mean, like we've got a bunch of kids right now that play spring sports that it was just taken away from them. Like, how would you go about a conversation with that person? Yeah. So I kind of, I like to do a little assessment when I'm talking with people and I mean, the best thing for me is I just did an assessment on myself as I kind of learned this field, but essentially athletic identity is the degree to which an athlete or an individual identifies as an athlete. So the two extremes are I'm a lacrosse player or I'm a student athlete who also happens to play lacrosse, right? Those are two very different approaches. For me, I was always the basketball player and that's it. Um, for some of my teammates, especially in high school, it was more of oh yeah, I'm, you know, a young lady who's 18 years old and I also play basketball. It's very different. Um, so athletic identity, I mean, any sort of identity, it really starts to develop in adolescence. So ages like 12 to 19, which is coincidentally the same age when kiddos are usually told in the sport world, all right, start like really working hard, <laughs> like put 110% effort in. And if you don't, someone else is. So you better give it your all. That's kind of like the underlying message that athletes get. Um, I know I did anyways, like work hard because if you don't, someone else will. Um, so I put my whole, my whole being into it. So I was what I call like a red flag kid. Like I identified so much as an athlete that when I no longer was an athlete and that construct was kind of taken away from me, granted, I knew it was coming, um, just with, you know, finishing college. Um, I had a really hard time. I didn't really know like what my purpose was, who I was. I felt lost. And I, I just felt like I didn't really have a sense of, of who I was. 
I knew what I did. I played basketball, but I didn't know who I was. So those young athletes who are 12 to 19 who are told to start giving their all to their sport, they essentially are being taught indirectly, you are what you do. So a lot of times with athletes who are nearing transition, and especially these spring athletes who I feel for them so much, that the first people I thought of when this whole corona pandemic began, like they were stripped of that identity or that piece of their identity. And depending on where they kind of fall on that spectrum, this could be really times. Um, so I would start just by kind of getting a sense of the person, like who are they? And if I hear them say, well, I'm a lacrosse player and now I can't play lacrosse, that scares me because that tells me like there might not, like what else do you see for yourself? Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it totally does. And I mean, anything, anywhere you take these questions is going to be a, a useful answer or, or just provide insight as to the kind of maybe the, the global, because I ask very big questions. So um, mm -hmm. I'll ask like the big questions and you definitely take it to something that's like more specific into where your brain harnesses. Because like I've told you, I, I have almost like no understanding of your world, which is why I think it's really cool we're having this conversation um, because you can kind of like clean it up for me when I ask you this like really broad, like quite, like almost ignorant question. And you're like, oh, this is probably what you meant. Um, mm. So like, and this is interesting because you say 12 to 19 and that's like the wheelhouse demographic that a lot of sport coaches or people who are getting involved with sports see, you know, and selfishly, like I have, um, she's only 16 months old now, but at some point she's going to be five, six, nine, 12, 17. And, and I'm assuming she'll play sports, but like, I, I mean, maybe she'll play the violin, which would be super cool. Um, <laughs> but even I think like this still pertains to that. If like, you're so in love with what you're doing, whether it's your job as a 30 something year old or sports as a, as a 12 year old, like identity is identity. And, and I guess what we're talking about is being like very well-rounded and having, an idea of, of different things in your life. Um, when you talk about like an intervention or, or, or kind of like having the conversation of expanding someone's horizon, so to speak, how do you go about doing that? Like once you've assessed that person, you're like, okay, this person definitely like is pretty big in, into their, their thing. Like what kind of, of, are you reframing? Like what are you doing with that person to just kind of help them move past what they might be stuck on? Yeah, so the best and worst answer of any question in the fitness world is it depends. Always, always. <laughs> and, and it depends. So if I'm working with, you know, a 12-year-old, it, it's really hard for them to kind of comprehend, well, your identity should be multidimensional. You should kind of have layers of who you are, not just the, the young 12-year-olds. Like, I just want to go shoot hoops. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not thinking about it that way. So with a young kiddo, I mean, you've seen it in your position at Parisi, like, not just focusing on one sport, like sport specific is kind of a thing of the past, right? We're much more kind of like broad spectrum, like functional movement. How can you set yourself up for success period, not success on the field? So, you know, it's obviously going to be incorporated on the field success, but we're looking at much more of a broad picture of what the athlete, you know, needs to do in order to kind of see more elements. So with a young kiddo, it would be much more about like, well, what else do you like? You know, how, how school, how are your friends? Like, you're such a good son or daughter or sibling. And what do you do besides play your sport? I mean, I remember saying one of my worst or least favorite questions to answer is what do you do for fun? <laughs> I like, it's kind of funny, but I hate that question because what do I do for fun? Like when I played sports, it was like, Oh, I go to the gym. <laughs> and like, that's like, that's not like, that's not answering the question. So with a young person, it's really starting to just have them detect the other elements of who they are. 
because one thing you don't want to have happen is what's called um, precociously, uh, like constructing your identity. A precocious identity is essentially like foreclosed identity. You already know who you are and it's just this one thing and that's it. That's where it gets kind of dangerous. So that's kind of where I just start to like weave in different layers of who the little kid is or the young adolescent. Um, adolescent. And then if I'm working with an older kid, like a college athlete, I can have much more candid conversations with them. I can talk about, well, what do you, like, what do you have planned next? Like, and I know that's the worst question to ask a senior in college, but like, what other areas of your life do you really, do you really value? You know, are you really into like your family and like that experience? Are you, do you have like a spiritual belief system? Like, who are you as a person? Not what do you do? Because if we don't ask the question, like, who are you instead of what do you do? Athletes are going to start identifying as what they do. So if they don't do what they do well, then they're not good anymore. Their self-worth gets kind of tacked. So really trying to just weave in layers when, when I can with athletes. So it's really more about the identity development. And like, honestly, it's, it comes down to like developing a personal philosophy. Like, why are you here? How can you be the person you want to be every day? Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Like, so now I'm gonna ask you a selfish question. This is a selfish question as someone who works with predominantly athletes 18 and under. Like, what? And not without so without overstepping my boundaries as a performance coach, personal trainer, whatever you want to call me. Like, what are some good questions just to spark conversation with people? Then instead of just saying like, "What do you like to do, athlete who's in the weight room right now, getting better for their sport?" Like, without saying like, "Oh, what are you watching on Netflix right now?" And maybe that is a question. But what are like, what are some good things that start to help that conversation unfold or or peel back? I, I guess the way that I look at it is, athletes are so often talking about talk talk to talking with others about the what's of the world, like what do you do? What do you like? What do we need to do in order to be successful? All the what's. And so having those conversations about how, like, that's the piece that I feel like people don't look at. Like everyone's, I mean, it's kind of new lingo to talk about the why. Like I think Simon Sinek has that book, um, Start With Why. And that's like a really popular book. Everyone's talking about the why behind everything, but we're still not really talking about the how. So if an athlete that you're seeing at Parisi is coming in and they're just like zoned in on their sport and that's it, instead of asking them, well, what do you need to do to be successful? Or what are you watching on Netflix? Start to ask the question, like, how do you want to show up? How can I help you be the best you? And that can translate between sport and school life and beyond. So like a senior athlete I'm working with at St. Mike's, or I was working at, uh, was a winter sport athlete, senior. And we talked a lot about like, what the best version of that athlete looked like. And she came up with like, you know, I'm confident, I'm focused, I'm able to kind of notice when my mind is drifting and come back. And that can be applied to sport, that can be applied to school, relationships. So for you, it's really asking those how questions. Love that. And that's the nugget right there. That's awesome. Um, I'm super pumped that this is going to be recorded because that's going to be a snippet that I pull out because I think that you just hit the nail on the head. And I think that right there is going to help a lot of people. Um, so now that's my hard break to the, the next thing, which is cool. Cause like I see like three or four people just like jumped in here. Um, Nicole, we had a conversation once and I, I got, I'm going to maybe bush oh, this, but it was God. about like, I know. This one time we were talking about this thing. Um, but we were talking about like rituals and routines oh, and like yeah, yeah. why athletes like do things like, like ritualistically without really like knowing why they do them, but they just do it because they do it. 
And, and you gave me like this, like, like you went off on like a tangent. I was like, <laughs> whoa, like I pushed a hot button on that or something. Can you talk a little bit about rituals and routines and, and maybe like what athletes should be paying attention to, um, to differentiate between the two things? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a huge hot topic for me. Um, I just find it so honestly like comical. It's funny because a lot of times, like I'll give an example. When I was a senior in high school, before games, I had major rituals that I had to abide by or else. So I set myself up already, ultimatum, either I'm successful or I, or I fail. And that's like a, an unhealthy place to be. But I had to follow my ritual perfectly. So like I would go home from school, I would have to have the same um, wonton soup from this Chinese restaurant down the street. And I had from the same place, it had to be the same time my mom had to have it ready for me at home when I get home from school. I had to listen to a certain soundtrack. My dad had to drive me to the gym. I couldn't drive my own car. Like all these like bizarro things I had to do expecting that those are going to make me all of a sudden like show up on the court and have a good performance so that's very ritualistic that's very like just doing without intending like there's no intention behind it routine is is very different it can look the same I could still get that wonton soup and have my dad drive me and listen to the music whatever but the difference is that routine is like the intention the magic is not in eating wonton soup the magic is in what that wonton soup is then turning on for me. If I'm eating my wonton soup and I'm starting to think, all right, what do I have to do today to focus? And, I, and the wonton soup almost serves as like an on button. That's great, that's a routine. It's a ritual when I'm like, if I don't have this soup, then I'm gonna fail. If I do have this soup, I'm gonna succeed. So ritual is all about those superstitious ideas that don't really actually prepare you. Routine is much more, how can I intentionally and deliberately get ready for this next performance? Yeah, that definitely is a hot, bucket, hot button topic. Um, mm -hmm. How does that carry over? Now I'm going to like pull you out of sports. Like, I, like if my wife is a, she's a financial controller. I, I don't even know if I said that right. And I, I think she actually listens to this podcast, but she's a financial controller for an engineering firm. Like how do rituals and routines, like how can that be useful for just like, like just showing up, like whether it's the classroom or to your job, like, like, I know there's like your thing in the morning, you maybe you have like your routine, so to speak, but like you just said, like those things that spark the on button, how does someone go about finding those things that spark the quote unquote on button, whether you're an athlete or not? So it comes down like to me, it comes down to self-awareness and knowing yourself. So knowing what you need to do in order to be prepared for whatever it is that you're preparing for. So for someone like your wife who's a controller, if that is her job, <laughs> um, you know, she has to be prepared for certain things at work, certain presentations, certain meetings, certain tasks. That for her, that's her performance. So it's identifying what your performance is. And then it's asking yourself, what do I need in order to perform to the best of my ability? So that's kind of how it can apply to non-athletes is really just identifying what your performance is. I mean, for, for a professor, it's teaching class. For a salesperson it's walking up to that person in the law or a car salesman and like talking to that customer who could potentially be buying a car from you it's knowing what the performance looks like or what it is knowing what the ideal state of performance is for you and then really doing things that are going to help you get into that ideal performance state so it's really about being intentional and deliberate in preparation and preparation i mean i i assume I'm going to talk about this more with you today, but preparation is one of the key factors that goes into confidence and self-belief. So it's really knowing what you need to prepare and then doing that. Yeah. I mean, 
I wish I could say that I know this, but I don't know a whole lot about like sports psychology and psychology in general. So that's why I just kind of sit here and listen. Well, um, I think you do. I, think I, you know I don't think, I don't think I do. Maybe it's the lingo. Um, and maybe this is like a random side question that, and I know we definitely have to like mention like what, whatever's within scope of practice, but what, where, like for a sport coach, a personal trainer, a strength coach, like what are some things, and we just maybe talked about them with getting to like the how with a person and with a team that you're working with, but what are just some things that you see that we like in, in like working with athletes more on a day to day kind of drop the ball on? Is it like the questions we ask, like how can we improve ourselves in the language we use with, with athletes? to get them in a better positive mindset? That's a great question. That's a really I, good question. I liken myself to <laughs> Oprah. Uh, I, I definitely think that I watch enough interviews now with people and, and I actually just listen to how they deliver the questions. Um, but I have compared myself to Oprah numerous times. Podcast host, look at you. Um, so I think a big thing, I keep saying I think, but a big thing, first of all, is just that relationship piece. It's kind of building rapport with your athletes and knowing how they, how they tick essentially, what gets them ticking. Like knowing, that's why it's like knowing like what the person's Netflix show is or knowing what, when they're showing up in a bad mood versus a good mood, knowing where they are when they show up to your um, platform, whether it's the weight room or per UC space or the classroom or whatever it might be. So knowing your athletes enough to know like, oh, you're not really, you're not looking like you look different today or something's off, right? Kind of like having those feelers out and knowing where your athletes stand and showing them you care. I mean, this is like, so this is so simplistic. So please tell me if I'm not answering your question as thoroughly as you want, but it's really like showing, showing your athletes that you care about how they're showing up and knowing, noticing when things are a bit off and then asking the question, what can I do? I mean, a lot of times I say like, I'm no expert. I'm just sitting with you and observing and I'm kind of re like restating what you just stated to me so that you can kind of have a sounding board and, figure out what you need because ultimately as like annoying as this sounds, I don't have the answers right to what the athlete in front of me needs. They do. I'm just the one who's helping them unlock it. So a lot of times I use the idea of like how you do small things is how you do all things. So if like Ryan's training an athlete in the weight room and you're noticing like they're just busting their butt, just trying to get through their reps, they don't really care what they're doing or they're not paying attention to the form. Ryan can slow them down and be like, hey, let's do two really solid reps. It's not about how many reps you can do. It's about how good you're doing these reps. What's the quality here? So it's really looking at quality. Um, and again, like those small habits, there's this, there's this thought um, out there. I'm not going to get it right. But essentially our thoughts, our beliefs become our thoughts. Our thoughts become our words. Our words become our actions. Our actions become our habits think if I can get the right our habits become our values and our values become our destiny so it all starts with our beliefs and if a kiddo is showing up to the gym thinking this is going to be a crappy day they're gonna have a pretty crappy day like the, you know that's ultimately what and if they do it over and over again their their values then and their 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 consistency lies in that like mindset that sucks yeah self-fulfilling prophecy yeah absolutely yeah I like what you just said there like like we don't have to have all the answers. It's our job to help them kind of get to the answers themselves. And I think that in, in strength training land that, that I live in, like we may write the program, but that's just a roadmap that you can rip up at any time. Like we're just giving people the tools for them to unlock their own like literal physical strength and, and in, a, in a process of mental strength and just giving them the environment to succeed. 
And it sounds like it's very similar with what you're doing with people. It's just in maybe a different setting with a different aspect or different end result, but you're just giving people the tools they need in that realm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's kind of humbling as a professional. I'm sure you can speak to this too. If you give a kid a perfect program, or if I tell someone your self-talk is just not where it needs to be, you're kind of, you're bringing yourself down and speaking discouragingly to yourself. I can say that. And you could tell the kid what, what program to follow, but the kid has to want to do it. The athlete has to want to do it. So again, you're just providing the tools and helping them. And then it's their choice ultimately, whether or not they want to abide by that. Um, or not abide by it, but follow the guidelines. Um, and for me, that's like a big like ego thing. Because if an athlete's not effective and like their confidence isn't improving and I'm like, oh my God, what am I not doing? Like I get frustrated myself, but ultimately I've learned over time and like my confidence in this field, it really comes down to, that's why that connection is so important. It comes down to the athlete wanting to do it. And so one big emphasis I've had all year with the athletes that I've worked with from all different levels is you have a choice. Every moment you have a choice. Do you want to come into the gym and allow the bad test grade you got in math to kind of be the rest of your day? And that's how you define your day. Or do you want this to be a new page and flip the script? Like it's up to you. I'm here to help you. But the athletes, I feel like a lot of times like self-reflection and like self-awareness, those are two mental skills that athletes don't always tap into. Yeah. I think that, uh, like I said before, like I, I just agree with you because like I think everything you're saying <laughs> makes perfect sense. Um, and, and my third question, my third thing of the three things, and this is a two-parter, so maybe it's like three and four things, is yeah. one, because I think a lot of young people listen to this, whether they're in high school, college, et cetera, um, or maybe they're just like professionals that, that in their, an established position like I am and they want to get more involved within yeah. scope. But like, how do you like outside, like, obviously, like you're a psychology major, you have a master's degree in clinical psychology, but and where do you see mental skills coaching, like, in its realm of psychology, like, where do you see this industry evolving, and, or moving into, like, I know that there's a lot of now, like, mental health is like, front burner in, in almost every major um, sports league, but where do you see it going and what avenues like in, in your industry get you the most excited? So you're right. That is a loaded question. It's a lot. It's big. It's a big question. Where do you see the industry going? And then what do you really like about the industry right now? Yep. So I'll start with the second part. I really like about the industry, the attention that it's getting. Finally, I don't think it's getting as much attention as it will in the future, but I think the attention to detail and to the importance of mindset and mental skills is starting to like amplify. Um, coaches talk about it. I know coaches request all the time. I'm getting more coaches than ever who are like, Hey, my team really needs to improve their confidence or their mental toughness. And it's becoming more normal to talk about even compared to when I was in college, which is not long ago, 2012 was my senior year. And I was, we weren't talking about this. Maybe we were talking about like, Hey, you got to be more confident, but that was it. Like not how to actually become more confident. Whereas now coaches are willing to say, Hey, this, this young lady on my team isn't confident. Like, can you help her become more confident? That's very different than when we were athletes and we're just told, Hey, be more confident. Hey, be more focused. Hey, be less distracted. Like now we're actually getting the, I guess the tools or we're asking professionals like myself to give us the tools to actually improve those areas. 
um, and where I see the field going or this industry going, I mean, I've said this since I was in grad school. I think that all NCAA um, institutions are going to mandate a position that is um, dedicated mental health uh, work for athletes, like athletic counseling, you know, sports psychology professionals. And you're kind of starting to see it in the bigger universities, like it's very normal. Um, and one thing that I've always said, and I remember kind of harping on this in my um, grad, graduate studies, is this, this idea of not making it an exception when someone has to see a mental health professional as an athlete or talking to a mental skills coach or a sports ecologist or whatever, whatever the position is, but it actually becomes an expectation. Like you're expected to talk to someone to help you become the best version of yourself. And again, it's so beyond just the sport performance side. It's really helping you develop as a person because colleges and institutions are really good at creating really good athletes, but that's, that stops after four years, right? Or five for some athletes, like then they leave and then it's like, well, now what? So the skills that they can potentially learn with mental health professionals are things that can be, again, applied to a multitude of things, not just their sport. And of course, I know strength training and whatnot can be applied to other things as well. But I feel like I see this field going in a way, in a direction that, um, that encourages the mental health and mental skills of athletes. And I mean, a perfect example, a perfect example is the Hope Happens Here people who start at St. Mike's and like they're talking about mental health like it's normal because it is <laughs> like it's so normal. So to not have that stigma and not have that like negative connotation like, oh, Joey needs to go see the mental skills coach because he doesn't have mental skills. No, like Joey's being an athlete and he's trying to be his best self. So he's going to all avenues to be his best self. So I think that's like the direction and the evolution that's happening. And I think we're in a really cool time because we're now in the midst of this place where, you know, it's not necessarily mandated that all colleges and institutions and teams have these mental health professionals, but the people who are mandated to be on campuses are talking about the mental health and mental skills of the athletes they're working in and how that is uh, related to their field. So like you with your young athletes at Parisi, like you're talking about like their, their mindset and their headspace and where they're at and people in the weight room talking about mental toughness and grit and things like that. Like, that's great. We're kind of in this like collaborative integrative place. And I think we're moving in a really good direction because at some point, I know I'm rambling, but at some point, um, every athlete's essentially taught the same skills, right? We only can be taught so many physical skills. So now the next realm of development is mental and the athletes that are mentally doing the work and physically doing the work that's a dangerous combination yeah yeah I like it's like you're saying it's like I always think of of someone like Kobe Bryant who had all the physical skills and he had like the mental mental capacity to go with it like when you've when you've reached that peak physically like what's the next thing that you can work on you know and and I think that that's perfectly stated where you start to work on on everything between the ears and making sure you're in the right zone, whether it be focus, preparation, routine, rituals, like, you know, having all those things dilated so you can find your on buttons. I love, like, I love the, the whole thing that I took from this, Nicole, is when you talked about like those things that spark your on buttons, like that speaks to my inner men's league athlete, like what hypes you up and what, like, you know, you can do to hype yourself up so you can be your best self, like get you in the right mindset. And that's like that just in the most simplest form, um, makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And can I say something about oh, that too? Please. <laughs> so, I mean, 
this is like where like my work like I have a background in clinical psychology so again I went to school to be a therapist so I have the, I'm a psychotherapist in the state of Vermont so I have that like therapy brain and then I have like the performer brain like the athlete like I'm just gonna bust this out and like almost put myself through like turmoil so I can become better so I, they're kind of two contrasting things like except where you are and then it's like I want to be better like so I'm kind of like always at odds with myself but as far as like what you just said about turning it on and like being able to do that, it takes two things. One, it takes master. There's this um, sport performance psychologist, Michael Gervais. He works with the Seattle Seahawks and a bunch of other Olympic athletes and whatnot. And he always talks about this idea of mastering your craft. So that's like mastering your sport, mastering your lecture. If you're a professor, mastering your whatever it might be, your performance and doing all the skills it takes to be the best version of yourself in that, field so like if I'm a basketball player I'm going to shoot free throws until I'm perfect at the free throw or as close as can be so that's like the physical like mastering your craft but then there's this other element of mastering yourself so to turn the on button like you need to know yourself you need to know where you're at and you need to know like what you need to do in order to be where you want to be so it takes like a really really dedicated athlete with a strong mind to be able to self-reflect and really recognize where they are and what they need. Um, speaking of Kobe Bryant, one of his biggest, um, one of his biggest, maybe not biggest, but one of his areas that he kind of talked about a lot is preparation, mental preparation. He did the physical preparation. We know that, but mentally his only routine, if we're talking about routines before he played or before he was going to go on the court was, where am I? right now and have this like I have to listen to this playlist I have to eat this food I have he didn't do that because that's like a waste of time what if he shows up one day totally jazzed and he needs to calm down then he would listen to some like jazz music calm music if he felt really sluggish one day then he'd listen to something that would pep him right up so his only routine was checking in what do I need right now where am I and a lot of athletes just don't ask themselves that question so going back to one of your first questions what professionals should ask their their athletes or how they should kind of talk to them is checking in where are you right now like, are you, are you here physically? Do you need something to pump you up? Do you need something to relax you? Are you distracted? Are you focused? Where are you? And I think just being able to ask yourself that question is really powerful. As we wrap up with Nicole, that uh, that conversation was part of a Q&A segment we did for our gym here, so I'm not trying to cut Nicole off or anything like that, but she uh, she did a great job and transitioned into a Q&A section with those that were in the Zoom call, the kind of a live Q&A there to finish it. But hopefully you guys got a really good understanding of some of the things that Nicole was talking about. Like I said in the intro, she's super passionate about what she does. And if you are looking to find out more about Nicole, you can reach out to her at her email, which is her name, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-C, as in Casey, and then her last name, ADAC, A-D-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Um, she'll be more than happy to get back to you with any questions you may have or if you're in need of her services. Like I said, she's phenomenal. She's someone we refer our athletes and clients to. I cannot speak highly enough about her. But until the next podcast episode, I appreciate you guys hanging with us, and uh, I will see you hopefully very soon.